Welcome, I'm David Nurse, MBA shooting coach turned life optimization coach, speaker, author, leader of all types. On this show, we bring on high performers, athletes, CEOs, entrepreneurs, people doing amazing things in this world, but they weren't always at that spot. And we talk about how they got through their stuck situation and made their pivot to achieve their success. So join me every week as we pivot and go. I'm dreaming vivid, so I'm living my goals. Written to existence, you know I'm doing the most. I'm steady winning, having breakfast for dinner, cause I'm always giving the toast. I live that 1% of lifestyle, didn't you know? Doing what I can just to get in the zone. Incremental change to help you get in the flow. But if you hit the wall, gotta pivot and go. Switch your perspective and go for the goal. That ain't the end of the road, just pivot and go. Pivot and go. Welcome back to the Pivot and Go podcast. This week on the show, we have a true underdog himself, someone who has built himself up from absolutely nothing, literally coming from the trailer parks with get nothing given to him to now being on his way to a billion dollar company. He's grown three companies, multi, multi millions. He is the epitome of there is no elevator in life, only steps. Ladies and gentlemen, Jason Waller. Jason is an extremely driven, as you will see, passionate about just life in general and how he built his companies and how he continues to grow and how he's a constant learner. And we're going to go in in depth about all the obstacles that was thrown his way, the times that he felt stuck in his life, and now how he has pivoted out to reach his success. And he's not stopping there. He is on a mission to serve and to reach millions of lives. The underdog, the true underdog, Jason Waller. Buckle up. Here we go. Pivot and go. Jason Waller, welcome to the Pivot and Go podcast. Coming to us from the land of the free in Florida. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. It's good to hear from you, David. I'm excited to be on this show. I love your energy. Love it. Yeah. And we're going to bring it today. The true underdog himself, Jason Wallace. So, Jason, start us off with a bang. Something that maybe not necessarily everybody knows about you. You're a business tycoon. You're on TV shows, magazines, huge podcasts. But what's something a little bit different? Uh, I used to be a huge gamer, and secretly I still play Madden here and there, addicted to it. But uh, I used to play like Navy SEALs, SOCOM 2, and uh, Call of Duty back in the day. And sometimes I'll jump on there with Fortnite with my son. But I love to game still. I met some of my best friends gaming. True story. So That's amazing. I, I think gaming's cool, yeah. Yeah, you never know where you meet your best friends. And, and let me just take a stab at this. Were you playing with Barry Sanders and the late 90 Lions when you were playing the Madden game? Yeah, I was. Him, Herman Moore, Johnny Morton, <laughs> Scott Mitchell, who couldn't throw the ball to save his life, but I still thought the team was solid. But yeah, that's them. You'll never meet a bigger Lions fan than Jason, which is interesting. But before we get to the biggest life pivot, let's go into that. Because Barry Sanders was your idol growing up. Like You loved that dude, worshipped him, right? Yes. And yes, now he was my favorite. And now he comes to you for advice. He looks to you. How cool is that? Just talk on how just surreal that is, man. Well, being the biggest Barry fan, the first time I ever watched football was I watched the 1989 NFL draft. And Troy Aikman was drafted first. Do you remember who was drafted second before Barry? I have no idea. None. To Tony Mandrich to the Packers. There you go. Right. 
Then it went Barry Sanders. So God forbid if Barry would have went to Green Bay, my life would have been completely different, I promise. <laughs> but Barry went to the Lions, and it worked out the way it was supposed to, and I was the biggest fan. I never missed a game. In fact, to, to from right now, from 1990 to now, that's another thing about me. I either watch the game live or I go to it. I haven't missed a game. I've missed funerals, birthday parties, company events. Because I don't miss a Lions game. I'm that die hard. And to meet Barry Sanders when I did Solar at Ford Field and then to bring him on as an ambassador for us and ha and do a, a commercial, like a, a, a commercial for Power Home at my company with Barry Sanders. And then to have him at the Christmas parties interacting with the employees and my father, who's also a huge Barry Sanders fan. It was epic. I was pinching. I still pinch myself. It's amazing. Me and my business partner, Kevin, we laugh. He, I remember when Barry signed the contract with us to be our ambassador for a year. He's like, you got Barry's signature for, for him to talk about power home for a year. I'm like, dude, that's, that's how surreal is that, that that happens. I mean, the biggest fan you do solar. And then he asked me like, you know, what would you do for this? And we've, you know, we're, we're friends. And then his, his son plays with mine. He, He's intrigued by my business sense, and I'm intrigued and impressed by how he's carried himself as a human being and a father and 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 really found an identity outside of football because a lot of people don't. And so, you know, we get to interact and it's just cool that he was number 20 out there, you know, dishing and dashing and swerving and scoring touchdowns in Honolulu Blue, you know. But <laughs> but it's the coolest thing is when you have this person that you look up to and not only do they become your friend, but they look up to you. And it's a true, you know, just testament to the person that you are and the mission that you have been on. Like you did not come from much. You weren't just given this all this great no. life that you have. And, and we'll get into it more and more as we as we get to your companies and three multi multi million dollar companies on the way to a billion like. That's that's incredible. But talk to yeah. us on the Pivot and Go podcast about your biggest life pivot. When was a time that you just felt Man, I'm just stuck? I don't know how to get out. And you made that pivot and now you are on the trajectory to success like you are. I would say I I had a few, but one of the first ones was having my oldest daughter when I was 18 years old. Wow. And my my wife were married. We're high school sweethearts. She was 17. And when we went through, it was a tough time. Her family didn't like me, judge me because I had no money. Her mom wanted to give our daughter up for adoption. There was this huge fight. And my she was my girlfriend at the time, but we were broken up. You know, we couldn't get along because of family. And that's what happens. When you're young like that, that's what happens. And so she was pregnant. She was at the hospital. And I had a decent job. I was doing some like some sales at, at this bank and I was doing okay, but I wasn't super motivated. And I was a real good salesperson, but I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And I knew that she was pregnant, but it wasn't surreal. And so when I went there, we weren't together, but she moved in with her mom and her mom's like, you're going to give this baby up for adoption. You're too young. And she was arguing with her, but yet she's there. I'm like, I have rights too. So I showed up to the hospital. This is the beginning of my book, by the way. And I show up with my buddy, Benji, and I go to into the hospital. I see her mom and her sister run back into the hospital. And I, I walk in there and I go, hey, I'm here to see Elizabeth, you know, Stalvi, you know, she's having my baby. I want to see her. I'm 18. The lady at the desk goes, oh, we don't have an Elizabeth Stalvi. I said, no, you do. I just saw her mom and sister. She's getting induced today. I want to see my daughter born. She said, sir, they've got, they're under an alias name. They don't want you here. I'll tell you what you can do, though. You can go up there because I had a camera, like a Polaroid. You can go up there and take pictures of the babies. There won't be names on there, but you can take pictures of the babies and see which one's yours. 
So I went up there. I'm 18 years old. I'm crying, not knowing which kid is mine taking pictures. When I came down the elevator, things pivoted for me. I said, you know what? I'm going to get my life together right now. And I'm going to make them be the best father I can be. I'm going to grind and bust my ass like nobody's ever done before. And I don't know what her mom's going to convince her of, but I'm going to stop all of that. So I got in the car and I went over to uh, a finance company and got a loan on my, my car was a piece of crap, got a thousand dollar loan, went and saw an attorney and, and gave a deposit to sue for joint custody. Now, the ironic part of the story, and I don't mind sharing it because listen, whatever people do, you live with. You gotta you gotta live with it. So I don't mind talking about it. Nice. This is this is how this works. Is her mom and her sister left her and she had the baby on her own that night. And then her grandma came and got her because she wouldn't give the baby up for adoption. And and she moved in with her grandma. And that's her story to tell. You know, her she's had some. But my version of that is that was taken from me and I didn't get to see Hannah until she was six days old. Elizabeth brought her to me at work. But that was a pivot moment there where it was like, it's enough of the child's play. I've got to be a man. I've got to lead the charge. I've got to step up and change my life right now. Jason, that's a phenomenal story. And that's you just taking it on your own and, and knowing that hey, no one's going to make it happen but you. There's no victim mentality about you. It's you're going to make that happen. And make it. It's creating your own map, right? Yes. Like people yes. can't dictate. You can't have your kid, or you can't get that job, or you can't try out for that team. You write your own map. God gives us the abilities to have our choices of what we want to do, and you can't sit there and let everything from the outside stop that. And so, when I have an opportunity, and that was one of those moments where it's like nobody out here can can dictate what my life's going to be. I can, and. That is kind of the mentality. That was where it really started. I mean, there were other things that led to that. But at that moment was a huge, like, I turned the dial in and said, I've had enough. Like, I'm taking control of this. And this is how this is going to go. And you took control. But in doing so, to make these this pivot, how did you get out of it? How did you start? Because I know it wasn't easy. Do you have some mindset tools that you went to? Or do you have some staples that, I mean, maybe you still do to this day. But a lot of people will think, okay, it's time to take action but how do I do it? So I think the fear of not being able to see her, of not being able to be mm -hmm. a part of her life, really, you know, early on in my life in business and as a young man, I think it took a lot of failure and a lot of hurt and a lot of fear for me to wake up. Like, all right, enough's enough, I'm ready, right? You hear those stories where, okay, 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 until you just can't okay anymore and you gotta do it. At that moment, I was so nervous that I wouldn't see her like she was gonna be given for adoption. My wife didn't wanna do that, but I didn't know how if her mom would manipulate her. She was 17, I didn't know what was gonna happen. I was very scared. And this was in 1998. So the world was a little different back then. And I struggled with that, but I, I used the mentality of like, look, this is my life. That's my kid. I have a great job. I have rights. I have an opportunity. I'm a good person. Whatever her family thinks I am, whatever anybody else thinks I am, that's not true. I have to answer only to God and to myself. Mm. That's it. And so I had that mentality of I'm going to have to step up and I'm going to have to take control, period. And I didn't want to let my daughter down. I didn't want to, you know, my parents are, are fighters, but you know, they're blue collar, multiple jobs, didn't graduate high school either. Like, you know, I, I could only get so much from them. I had to learn a lot of these tools on my own. And a lot of it came from failure and pain. And you get sick of feeling that pain or that failure or that fear. And then you have to choose either you're just going to continue to feel it, or you're going to do something with it. And I didn't like the feeling. 
And I said, you know, the only way I can control my life and create my own map is really take control of what's mine and what I deserve and how I'm going to live and how I'm going to react to things. And then that morphed. I got even better jobs and I ended up buying a house two years later and I was only like 20 years old. I mean, a lot of cool things that happened. But having my daughter at such an early age, it was a wake up call. It was a motivational point. Totally. And it's it's that catalyst that ignites the fire within you. And what you're talking about is, yes, you accept the past for the past, appreciate the present that you're in, and you then you anticipate the future to come. And that's what you've done such a good job at. Like, I know you've gone through struggles in business, too. Like, oh, yeah. looking at it right now, like, we're at dinner a couple of weeks ago, and, and you're talking about selling the company for around a billion, talking about buying a jet. Like, that's, that's amazing. And that is, at the core, that foundational piece that you just talked about, create your own story. Pivot and go. Oh, you know that feeling you get when you just wake up and you are not rested or recharged? Yeah, we all have it. We all go through it. How do I wake up with full energy every single day? It is literally the game changer itself, chilly sleep. I have an Uller that goes underneath my mattress and cools my body temperature to the ideal temperature to get deep sleep, REM, high HRV scores. Now, I have mine pretty cold at about 57 degrees. The optimal level is between 57 and 65 degrees. I have a weighted blanket, which just cools my body. And I'm just sleeping in restorative sleep. So when I wake up in the morning, no matter how many hours I get, I am juiced up and ready to go. And lucky for you, you can wake up the same way. The people at Chili Sleep are giving you a discount, giving you a code. So go to chilitechnology.com forward slash pages forward slash David Nurse to get your special discount pricing there. Remember, that is chilitechnology.com forward slash pages forward slash David Nurse. Or just click the link below and it'll take you right there. It's sleep like a polar bear tonight. Get the best night's sleep of your life. Chilly sleep. David and go. So talk yeah. to us about how you, I mean, how did you manage through starting your own business? Like, how did you start, but how did you continue to go when, I mean, you've, I'm, I'm sure there was failures th along the way. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, what I, I was such, I feel like I'm a great salesperson. I think if, if you're passionate about things and if I, you know, if I really love water, I can sell <laughs> you water. But if I don't like water, I can't sell you water. That's my true believing, right? If you're passionate and you believe in something, you can sell it to anybody because then they're like, man, you really like that. I want to like that. That's what happens. And, you know, there were certain times at, at different jobs I had. I had a podcast called, you know, my 25 jobs before I opened my business. I opened my first business at 24. I had 25 jobs before I did that. I mean, I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. But I had a lot of really good jobs that gave me tools and I wanted to be able, I opened my own business not to be rich because I had a really good job. And when I first opened up my first company, home security business, I didn't get paid for almost a year in that job. I still worked at Verizon Wireless, aka Bell Atlantic, selling Blackberries and PDAs to businesses. I was in the business side of sales of that. I was doing that during the day and trying to build an alarm company at night. And when I did that, I did it because I wanted to be my own boss. I wanted to create freedom. And I wanted, you know, for myself and my family, I wanted to empower and help other people be successful in sales and be a part of something that I thought I could really grow. And when you first open your first business, I mean, it's hard. And yeah. I didn't go to college and I didn't finish high school. 
So I went through a couple years of intimidation, meaning I was intimidated by people working for me that had education. I was, I felt intimidated or less than because they were older than me. I mean, I was hiring people at Chili's, David, like, well, I didn't have an office. I rented out of my master bedroom <laughs> and I had a tile board from Home Depot for 50 bucks and a black Sharpie marker. And that was my schedule. And I had my old man who just retired from AT&T. I was paying him $400 a week and two high school kids $10 an hour for four hours a day to put out flyers about free alarm system, free garage door opener if you wow. sign up, all this stuff. And I would get these calls in the afternoon and I would come see them and I'd sign them up. And I just built it, you know, one step at a time. And I think that had I not had another job, right? Had I not been comfortable, because a lot of people open a job, a business, and then, you know, where they fail is they pay themselves first. You can't, you got to pay yourself dead last. Like you got to pay your people, you got to pay your vendors, you got to reinvest to build worth in that and foundation in that company. Then if there's anything left, you can take a little bit. Like I always tell new entrepreneurs, like you're going to be the brokest person in the company for a hot minute. Don't do open a business to get rich. That's not what this is about. There's several entrepreneurs out there. They're not rich, but they're successful because they're happy. They're empowering people. They love what they do. And I was learning that I ain't making no money. I can't pay myself. So I, I had a job and that benefited me to where I didn't have that stress to make those decisions of I have to get paid this week and pay my mortgage. And so it allowed me to really set that mindset to reinvest. And slowly the company started growing to where I finally got an office. I could hire people in an office. I still was intimidated. And I remember a sales meeting that I've always been somewhat motivational. You know, I played sports in high school when I went to high school and I, I wrestled in middle school and I played football. And I, I've always been like a natural outgoing leader, like, let's go, let's rally the troops. That's just been my personality. So I would struggle with older people, 10, 15 years older than me and all this education. How do I really rally them? I would get intimidated. And I remember doing a sales meeting to where all these folks work for me. There's like 12 sales reps. We're in our office. And we used to have this money wheel that we'd spin the money wheel. You got a sale today, David? Great. Spin the wheel. Ooh, you get a $100 bonus. High five. And we'd play music and dance. And we'd get excited because you want to build a great culture and great excitement. Well, we had zero sales on this Thursday. And it was Friday. And I said, look, if whoever gets zero sales today, I need you to come in Saturday for training. Is that, you know, who is that fine with everybody? And this one guy raises his hand. He's like, I'm not coming in Saturday. And I said, no, I need you to. You, you don't have any deals. I need you to come in Saturday if you don't write a deal today. I'm not coming in Saturday. And something happened to me, kind of like what happened when Hannah was born. Like, I just had enough. I said, listen, get your shit, get the fuck out of my office. Just like that. Sorry, I don't know if I can cuss on this podcast. Be but that's you, what baby. I said. Be I you. said, get your shit and bounce. <laughs> he said, excuse me. And he was older. I said, I didn't stutter. Get your shit, get out. I said, look, we're here for winners and we're going to pay people that do their job. They're not going to do a job. They're going to leave like this because I got zero time. Like I had enough. I said, is there anybody else that's not got a deal after tonight not coming in for training? Nope, we'll come, we'll come. Great. That was a stepping stone for me where I had enough. You know, I, I felt cornered. And I don't like to feel cornered or held hostage. And I just kind of snapped and just, then I was like, whoa, they work for me. I write their checks. It doesn't matter about their age. And so my confidence started building, right? And my experience, and I don't care what school you went to or how smart you are, how many books you read. That never makes you as good as someone who had experience. Experience gives you tools and knowledge that a book and school cannot teach you. You know, I still think there's a lot of attributes you get from school and books, but experience is a game changer. 
And I got all this experience that was building in that these guys didn't have. And so I was able to really lay down the law and really build a structure and, and an organization that built up from there or did really well. Joined another company, built that up, sold that one and built it up. And then I wanted to get into solar. And when I got into solar, I took everything I made from home security and I put it into the solar company and I didn't pay myself for 22 months. And I had this great multi-million dollar house on the lake in North Carolina. And I had to sell it because the company was about to go out of business after its first year. So here I don't have a check. I didn't get paid in, that, in Power Home Solar for 22 months. I've already put all my money in I made from the home security business. And now I'm telling my wife and kids, I'm going to sell the house and we're going to downsize to something like one eighth the cost and buy it cash. So Hannah can finish her senior year. It's my oldest. And I've got to reinvest this. And my wife's like, what is wrong? Are you out of your mind? Obviously, the company's bad. Shut it down. My own business partner, shut it down. And I, dude, I, true story. I was there in Disney the end of 2015. I probably shouldn't have been there. I already paid for the trip earlier, but I didn't have no money. I shouldn't have been there. And I was there and I was like crying, like, like not bawling, but tearing up. Like I've never, I haven't felt like I've ever failed like this before. Like I've always been able to get up and I felt defeated. And I told my wife, I'm like, I don't, I, you know, we, and we only had like 45 employees, but it's still 45 people that depend on me. You know, whether you got four, you got 45 or you got 4,000. And I was, I just, I couldn't do it. I saw the light and I knew that I could get this going, but it was a different business model and it was a cash flow problem. And so I, I had this, I said, we got to sell the house. She's like, no, no. I said, no, we got to sell it. I, I'm going to go in and change things. She's like, oh, okay. I'm like, no. So she's giving me the stink eye and I go in there and I fire like 25 people. <laughs> and I start doing everything myself in most cases. I made the phone calls. I showed up and sold the deal. I didn't tell these customers I was the CEO. I pretended I had a boss who had a boss who had a boss who had a boss, right? And I did all these things to where I can take control and grow this from the bottom up. And by the end of that year in 16, I started to get paid in November because the company was starting to become profitable. And then in 17, we, you know, broke 40 million. And then in 18, it broke 105 and 19, uh, 185, 20, 390. And we'll do 750 million in revenue this year. Wow. So, the, you know, but I almost quit. And I share that story with the employees. I said, look, I, I bet on our brand. You know, when you treat your company or your brand more important than your family, yourself, and because everything's about all these employees, like this is what, this is our livelihood. When you treat it like that and you love it and you give it and you give thing, money back to it, and you, you invest in it and you appreciate it and you protect it. Everything's about the brand. Things can go well. When you get selfish and you want to pay yourself more or you're making decisions for selfish reasons or a few people, it's always about the mini. It's always about the brand. And that's what I learned in three companies. And that's how we've gotten to where we are now. Jason, there's so much gold in there. You, your passion is just super infectious. And you hit on a point that you said you almost gave up. Most people will give up. You did not allow yourself to give up. And you have one of the skill sets that I think is the most powerful skill set for almost anybody to have. It's when you don't have a fallback plan, the only way out is through. Like you didn't have, you couldn't have just gone home to your parents and had this comfy life if you failed. Like there's failure is not an option. And when you have no fallback, you go all in. That is one yeah. of the most important skill sets anybody can have. And that is the true epitome of an underdog. 
I love that. I mean, you know, when you don't have a plan B, right? What else? This is it. This is the plan. And I don't like to ever have a plan B. And I don't like to schedule uh, like and, and, and plan my goals more than six months out. I mean, I'm guilty sometimes of going a year out, but I feel like if I go further than that, you get discouraged. I think that there's two things that new business owners or people in sales or people going into their lives of any kind of career that I think that they fail at big time is that if they don't get instant gratification in their Mm -hmm. goals because they've set crazy dream goals that take two, three, five years to attain and they don't get those little goals, they feel defeated, they quit early. And the other thing is, is they're scared to pivot and change during the while they're creating their own map. It's okay to change course, but make a decision. Yes. The problem is too many people are like, I don't know if I should do this or do that. Well, if I do this and now, oh, man, I should have done that. When you make a decision and you're worried about what you didn't do, you already lost. Like when you make a decision, that's all in. Those are your cards. Play your best hand. Don't look back. You don't get new cards. That's it. Play the next hand. You can't too many people, especially that I've seen in my life, and and that they just sit in the mud and they can't make a decision. And that's worse than making the wrong decision. Because the wrong decision, at least you had something happen, you learned from it, you got better from it, something. And there's no such thing as a real wrong decision. There's your decision and then what you do with it. And too many people are like, well, I should have done that. I never, I never have regrets. And there's things that I should have regrets on. No, <laughs> that's the decision I made. Yes. I own it and I go forward. That's great. Accepting the past. Most people can't yeah. do that. It's the ready, fire, aim. Just do it. You will grow your wings as you step off that cliff. I love that so much, man. You are an unbelievable leader and just vision driver. So I got to ask you, after growing multi-million dollar companies up to $750 million, going for a billion, what's next? What juices Jason Waller up to get out of bed with this extreme passion that he has? So as a guy who used to always say, um, 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 and nervous to stand up and speak to people. You're like so good at speaking, Jason. You're so right? good I, at speaking. I feel like I'm great now, but it, so it took a lot of time and courage and, yeah. and confidence. But I remember when I was opening this security company, I had to motivate these guys every day. So I had a sales meeting every day and I ran it for 12 years. So you can do the math on that. That's a lot of sales meetings motivating people. So you get that experience. And then when I did the other security company, somebody else was doing some of the sales meetings. You know, Ben Brookhart, we were partners in that one. And I felt like a handcuffed Tasmanian devil because he says a lot of great, wonderful things. But then I couldn't get my things out. And I think they both could collaborate. And so that created some struggle of how do I get to the next point? And I felt I've handcuffed as I joined that team. So when I did Power Home Solar, I wanted to make sure I did monthly sales meetings and monthly production meetings. Here we are going going towards our seventh year being open. We opened in 2015, so six and a half years. And every month I do the sales meeting and I do the install meeting. We've got 400 sales folks and four or 500 installers on the production side. And my whole goal, it's my favorite part of my job is motivating them. Like I love to get out there and give them words of inspiration and, you know, words of encouragement to really take it to the next level and break through and that we're all a team and we're united and this is what we can do. And I love that. And so that led to, I won a few like awards, Entrepreneur of the Year awards and EY Entrepreneur of the Year award to where I was going to do, I started a book, which is almost done, but then I did the podcast, the True Underdog podcast. And I did that. And the same feeling I get of doing the sales meetings and the installer meetings of getting them ready to run through bricks or run through that storm and take on the next thing. And we're all one team or what I like to say, bam, building a movement together, then 
then I, I get that same feeling from the podcast because I get text messages and DMs like, man, that inspired me that did that. So that's what now I'm addicted to that. So I would say, you know, the goal is bring on a transactional partner. Now we're going to probably do a minority sale because I want to I want to double down on stake on, you know, stakeholder shares and and take this company public in the next two years. So I'll probably bring in an investment partner to give us an outlay of cash to open up even more markets. We just opened up Texas and Georgia. And then in the next two years, I'd like to go public, ring that bell. And the biggest goal is to have all of our employees, not some. All of our employees have a gain share stock option wow. to change their life forever. And when I do that, then I can slide away because I did what I said I would do. And I'd love to do like podcasts, speaking, books, training, um, I don't know, things like that. It just inspired to help people to give back. Totally. And what I see you as, we talked about it at that dinner, is like you're like a Mark Cuban. I mean, you're on the two-minute drill, which is kind of like a shark tank as itself. That is you. That is you going to speak to companies, consulting for companies, a book that's going to come out, which I'm super blessed to be able to have a blurb on it for like you have that just that gift. And that gift comes from, yes, all that experience. But you're a servant at heart, man. Like I, I know you've made a ton of money and you're very successful in the eyes of the world, but you don't get to that point if you hadn't put other people first. And that's what most people you miss. You can't too. be greedy. You just yeah. said it. You can't be greedy. I mean, Somebody smarter than me told me before, it was my old CEO coach, Brian Elias. He said, whether you make $25 million, $250 million, or $2.5 billion, Jay, you can't spend it all. So you might as well give as much back as you can and help as many people as you can. Okay. And when he said that, I was like, he's exactly right. So I don't care. It's about giving to people. My kids, I tell them. I'm going to spend everything we've got giving it away to people before nice. you get a chance to get it. You got to earn your own way. Nice. I love you guys, nice. but that's the plan, right? So they're like, dad, I'm like, it's fine. That's the plan. But I, you know, I just, I, I love, you can't buy that feeling of helping somebody when you serve someone mm. and you make a difference in their life. Does I've been poor. I've been rich. I can tell you nothing fills a void, a hole of a, 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 just this warmth in your body and soul than when you help somebody. You know, when you give back to somebody and serve somebody and inspire somebody, we need more of that in this world. And every time I do a podcast like this, or I make friends, you know, you're on my show, I learn from everybody and hopefully I can teach as well. And it's, it's all about coaching and, and being able to, uh, you know, be coached and, uh, and to coach people. And I think it's important because, you know, I do the clubhouse stuff. I, David Meltzer is a good friend of ours. He's a coach of mine. I love him. He inspires me every time I talk to him. He comes up with so many gems. I'm like, man, that was great. And we always have to be able to learn. And I think that when we learn whatever we can do to give back, we have to. Totally, Jason. Addicted to learning. I think that's why we, yeah. we get along so well. You're, you're a lot cooler than I am, but I mean, oh, appreciate that. No. Uh, Appreciate you. I think you're pretty you cool. Know. I've seen some of your Instagram photos. You've got <laughs> you've got some cool stories. Thanks, I can buddy. tell you though, on that that two minute drill, there's an episode where I throw the notepad in the pen. I lose my cool. Oh, is that season David's two or season one? Off the ledge. Is this season two? That's season two. Okay. Season one, uh, episode one, four, and seven. I'm in. Those are probably the better episodes. Not because I'm in it, but I'm just saying they're probably oh, the better ones. Definitely right. Are. But season two, me and Rory. And you got to meet him are going back and forth every single time on who should win. Yeah. And on season two, it's an hour long instead of a half hour. We get to collaborate on each pitch. And I am much more critical and honest, brutally honest. And Dave 
David's got to talk me off the ledge once or twice where I lose my cool and I throw my notepad because, you know, I'm somewhat of a hothead. <laughs> and so you see that on the show, which is, you know, going to be great for TV, but it's genuine. I mean, it's not made up. Totally. I got, I asked somebody a question and he kept dancing. I said, dude, don't dance. Tell me again how many you sold. He kept dancing, he kept dancing. He was smarting off and I just kind of lost it and said, you deal with this clown. I can't ask him questions anymore. So, you know, it got a little heated. It's fun. <laughs> Um, and I, I know it'll it'll be great for ratings, but uh, we argue about who should win. I, I get excited about hearing people pitch because, you know, you only get a certain amount of opportunity a horse drives by or jumps by or rides by, whatever you want to call it, train, whatever, that you have to jump on. Those opportunities only come mm -hmm. a few times. Mm -hmm. And too many times people are scared or fearful. You got to jump on and you got to take a chance and you better be ready to pitch. You better be ready to explain your idea. You better be ready to sell yourself because if you're not betting on yourself and you don't believe in yourself, they're going to see that real quick and nobody else is going to believe in you or want to work for you or, or want to be a part of what you're wanting to do. And so I, I love that teaching people the pitch and working with people on their pitch. I love it. And that's on Amazon, right? We can watch season one on Amazon and season two Amazon comes out. Amazon and Bloomberg. But and Amazon Bloomberg. Prime, it's there. Season two comes out in June. Okay. And it is for the audience. It's like a Shark Tank meets Skip Bayless and ESPN First American Take. Idol. Yeah. American Shark Tank Idol. meets American oh, Idol. Better. You two know, that's minutes. what it's like. No, we're not investing in these companies, although some of us can and will outside yeah. of that. Like, you know what? That's a great thing. Hit me up. That That's talked about. And that's real opportunity. But at each, there's five contestants that pitch. And one of them wins $50,000 to help their business out. And then they, they're asking for mentorship. But a lot of the products are like, Wow. And, you know, when you're hearing someone, that's the argument on the show. You know, it's called two-minute drill. And the argument is you get two minutes to make your best pitch. Is it Are we grading the pitch? Or are we grading the business? Or is it a combination of both? And that's the biggest argument throughout the whole season. Well, this company's great. Yeah, but that guy can't it can't pitch anything. Like, I, whatever he's buying, I'm never going to – like, there's so much of that going on to where sometimes – you can't pitch your product. You're going to have to bring someone in or you're going to have to learn to do it. And, you know, you, to pick totally. a winner, it's hard. And that's the biggest argument you'll see in season two. Totally. Well, dive into that, everybody listening here. Jason, I could talk to you all day, literally could talk to you all day, but uh, for your respect of your time, we're going to throw you on the rapid fire hot seat. That uh -oh. means oh. anything that comes to your mind, quick answers, rapid fire, spit them out. First one I have for you, what is your favorite mindset quote? Maybe something you've had on your fridge or on your bathroom mirror, just a mantra. Scared money don't make money. Ooh. You can't be scared to bet on yourself. That's one of my favorite lines. So something I truly good. believe in every time. Too many people are scared to bet on themselves. I explained to you when I sold my house and I did everything. And I bet on myself on two of the three companies. Wow. I put everything in on it. And if you can't do that and your employees can't see that, you're you're done. So wow. scared money don't make money. Love it. I changed my mind. You're not Mark Cuban. You're Elon Musk where you're betting on yourself wow. in every new venture. There it is. The mixture I'll, of I'll, Cuban and Musk. The conversation with either one of those guys, I'm honored. Thank you. <laughs> For sure, man. Definitely right up there. What does leaving a legacy mean to you? Not necessarily what the world says or what would be said on a billboard, but what does leaving a legacy mean to you, Jason? Empowering and helping as many people in this world as I can. God, that's Whatever that is, whether it's them making more money, them being a better human being. You know, I, I, it's not just about your family. Your family's only a small circle. As many people nice. as you can help in this world, that would be a legacy for me. So good. You're good at this rapid fire hot seat things. Like you've done it a time or two before, but I got one for you here. So get interesting. Okay. If you could choose three people to have at a dinner party, dead or alive, three people, who are you bringing and what are you cooking or either going out to eat? 
you can't choose Edwin, Meltzer, and me and go into Mastro's to eat the butter cake. That happened. Can't choose that one. That butter cake was bomb. <laughs> I, 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 I would say uh, Billy the Kid. I'm oh, a no. huge Billy the Kid fan. I know that's odd. I love Billy the Kid, and I always have. I would say um, Abraham Lincoln. Good one. And I would say Vince Lombardi. Wow. And I would I would bring barbecue ribs and baked beans. Nice. And Barry Sanders. Good choice for those guys. That is a great choice for those guys. Yeah, I know Abe Lincoln would be a big uh, ribs guy, no doubt. No Barry Sanders in there, though. Well, I got to, I've already got to hang out with okay, Barry Sanders good and point, do dinner with point, him three times. Point, okay. So it would be people that I haven't really done dinner with. I, I picked and, like you know, and you said dead or alive. I mean, if they were alive, it might be a little different. But but those three, I think, are big time. You know, Vince is such a inspiration and a hard ass. And I love that, you know, um, Billy the Kid. I've just always been infatuated with his story. You know, top. I mean, uh uh, young guns one and two and anything about him i've just like man that was because he's got a bad rap and, and my belief in the and stuff that i've paid attention to in movies and stuff i've read about him he's not really a bad person but they painted him bad yeah but he took on the world he was an underdog like you know he's 16 years old and had to defend himself many times and then um abraham lincoln i mean to me he's you know he he changed everything and you know he self-made to, to totally. be a president. I mean, I just love that. Man, a lot of total underdogs right there. The true underdog, yeah. Jason Waller. How can we all follow you, support you, just basically stalk everything that is you? Stalk me. Well, you can go to powerhome.com <laughs> if you're looking for a great career in solar or you nice. want to get a quote for solar. You can go to trueunderdog.com for the podcast. It's on iHeart, Spotify, Apple, all of those. And then you go to jasonwaller.com just to check me out what I'm doing. Instagram's Jason Waller, bam, and Facebook's Jason Waller. Love it, Jason. And the last question I have before we let you off this Pivot and Go podcast that we ask everybody is if you could give one piece of advice, one drop the mic piece of advice someone who feels stuck in the situation that they're currently in, what would that piece of advice be? Make a decision. If you don't like what you're doing, quit. Because the world is is big enough for you to find something else, and life is too short for you to waste any seconds, days, minutes, hours, months, or weeks on anybody or anything you don't enjoy. You don't get time back. You can make all the money and lose all the money up and down as many times as you want, but you never get that time back. And I think that people are so scared to change you know, change their map. You create this map. You dictate your life. I think the best advice I give, if you're unhappy in your situation, whether it be a relationship, a job, where you're living, change it. Quit making mm. excuses. Don't make it one day. Make it day one and do it now. Oh, don't make it one day. Make it day one. There's a drop the mic. Bam. Oh, you like that? Now. Well, too many people are like, one day I'm going to open this business. Bullshit. That's Today, good. open That's the business. Good. How do we do it? Now everybody can pivot and go. Jason Waller, you are a amazing human being doing amazing oh, things, that. man. I'm very blessed to have you on this podcast, and I know the audience is as well. Everybody, you know where to go to find Jason. If you took anything from this, which there was so much gold, I'm going to have to go back and listen to this one multiple times. Reach out, tell Jason, thank him, social media, all that good stuff. Jason, I appreciate you, man, and thank we you, will David. be seeing you soon. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. Bam! Pivot and go.